Today, if you have a Bible, let's open up to John chapter 8. Today, I kind of wanted to take a break from our journey through John because next week I know Ryan's going to be here and I didn't want to keep doing these interruptions. And just, I I just wanted to kind of pause and ponder this shooting that took place last Tuesday in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 beautiful children and two beloved teachers were murdered. You know, I don't know if you guys can, can handle it. You might want to close your eyes. We have a picture, actually, of all the, the kids and their unforgettable faces. I wanted to show you guys if you could take a look at it. I mean, it's just amazing to me that someone would volitionally plan out, they would actually go in to an elementary school with, uh, with this automatic, semi-automatic rifle and, and plant themselves in a fourth-grade classroom and take their lives. You know, and as we saw this take place, and today, yesterday, I was just looking at these pictures. I'm zooming in on each and every one of them. I was really just uh, kind of like, man, Lord, it's so easy just to go on with life. It's just so easy to say, yeah, I heard about the latest shooting, and you just go on and you forget about it. But I, I honestly don't think that's what God wants. You know, I'm sure it's been the same for you. This is heavy on our hearts, and I just can't seem to shake it. I just can't go back to my regular routine. Without at least trying to process this personally. And even with you as a church, you know, what what happened? in texas do we just accept it as a way of life now this is the world that we live in do we just brace ourselves for the next shooting or do we pause and ponder and pray and maybe even get with god and ask him why lord why did you allow this to happen and and what are we to do now you know i know i'm well aware of the fact that i don't have all the answers But I know the one who does, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that he's trying to tell us something in all this because one of the things that you'll find out in life is that this hurts beyond measure and God speaks to us through pain. You know, C.S. Lewis, he said this, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If you got pain in your body, you think about it, if you got pain in your body, what would you immediately do? You would immediately find out what's causing the pain. You wouldn't just leave it alone, right? I mean, you got a pain in your stomach, it's going to your right you know, and then it's all of a sudden it becomes sudden and sharp. And next thing you know, you're suffering from appendicitis. If you don't deal with that, that might rupture and you might die. Well, the things that are causing pain, these shootings, over 213 shootings already this year, these things that are causing pain, it's God's megaphone to wake up a deaf world. And so what, what's going on? Lord, how, how, how do we deal with this? 
You know, again, uh, C.S. Lewis said it's God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The word rouse, it means to wake up. It means to startle someone out of inactivity. You know, I, I, would li- I like the word start in the word startle because it kind of, you know, makes me ask the question, God, what do I need to start doing that I haven't been doing? What, what do I need to start being that I haven't been? Startle me, Lord. Start something new, Lord, because I know you're trying to rouse the world. Lord, I know you're trying to arouse a response from me, something different, something more. I can't just sit back and see these fourth graders killed and do nothing about it. Because sometimes people think, well, that was way over there yonder. That's over in Texas. And I, I can't help. I can't make a difference. I mean, you even heard Greg sharing today about being involved in the youth ministry. I mean, I don't know what the divine details will be for your life, but something's got to start if it hasn't already. Because we all have our part in this world that God has entrusted to us. He said, you were born here, and you were born in this place, and this is where I want you to be bloom, you know, planted and bloomed so that you can make a difference. It's hard to begin to even imagine that any person would plan this out to the first degree, shoot his grandmother in the face and travel to his desired destination, enter an elementary school, barricade himself in a classroom filled with fourth graders, and proceed to murder innocent, helpless, beautiful children and teachers who were wives and moms. You know, there's a little bit of comfort. There's a drop of comfort in the fact that all those children immediately entered the presence of God. So the fact that they're in heaven, it does help a little bit. But let me tell you something. It doesn't take away the pain. And not that we wish an evil on anyone, but there's also a bit of relief in realizing that this man, this murderer, died not only physically but spiritually, and he will experience the just judgment of God eternally. And the Bible talks about a place where men and women go who hurt children. So there is justice in this, but that doesn't mean that we can just sit back and, and do nothing. You know, one reporter who stood in front of Rob Elementary School described it as unimaginable and agonizing that those little children were murdered in the building behind me. Another reporter said, it is felt by all of us, it is felt by everyone in America who had to stomach the fact that little children were blown to pieces in their classroom one after another. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. But God is trying to rouse our world. Children who made the honor roll, children who had perfect attendance, children who had their whole lives in front of them. It demands our attention. It demands a response. Listen, if there's no response on our part, if we sit back and do nothing, if we just go on with life and forget about it, then either A, we're ignorant, or B, we're numb. We have to do something different. You know, immediately the world starts marching for gun control, and they mention mental illness and improve security at schools and supermarkets and churches and guards and police. And that all, all those things are, are definitely, they, they do have a place in the discussion. Other things, I'm, I'm sure, as well. You know, even we as a church, we, 
you know, have to ramp up our security. We got to be on guard, right? But today, we know that that's not the heart of the matter, right? Today, rather than looking to those other issues, I want to look to the Lord and and just offer two reasons and maybe just get us thinking and get us praying and get us wondering, Lord, I know that's over yonder and I know that's you know something people say it'll never happen to me until it happens to you. But can I make a difference? Can you make a difference? Can God bring something like a revival? Oh, yes, he can. But that revival has to start with me. You have to have it in your heart. Are you close to God? Are you seeking God? Are you here because you want to hear his voice? Or are you here just because it's what you do on Sunday mornings? Is it a rut? Is it a routine? Do you got your eyes on men, on yourself? Or do you really have your eyes on God? You know, here we see, and I'm going to give you guys two reasons, and I know, I, like I said, I don't know a whole lot, but I, 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 two reasons why this happens, and then two reasons maybe or two things what we can do in response. And why do we see these things? Number one, it's because of the culture of death that we live in, and it's under the sway of Satan. You know, First John 5.19, it says, the whole world lies under the sway of of the wicked one. And here in John chapter 8, look what it, it says in verse 30, 37. John chapter 8, Jesus is having a, a, a dialogue with the religious leaders. And he says in verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants. In other words, they're Jews. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from the father, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And then they said to him, well, we were not born in a fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Why, why death? Why shootings? Why, why does this happen? Number one, it's because we live in the culture of death that's greater and greater and more and more under the sway of the wicked one. Here we see the religious leaders, they had it in their hearts to kill Jesus. And he tells them why. It's because they weren't saved and they were under the influence of their father, the devil, whose language is lies and whose modus operandi 
whose, whose way of operating is murder. And you've got to understand that as the light fades and as less and less people follow God, then the darkness and the influences of the devil grow stronger. The spirit of Antichrist grows stronger. And you might remember the very first sin after the fall was murder, when Cain killed Abel in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. You know, this isn't the first time little kids have been killed. You might remember in Matthew 2, 16 through 18, King Herod had all those kids killed two years and under. Where'd that come from? It came from their father, the devil. You know, it's not new. This is the source of these things. So let me ask you a question. If it's the devil, then what's the answer? God. I mean, gun control, it might have a place in the conversation. Legislation might have a place in the conversation. You know, all these other things that we see, mental illness, yes, background checks, whatever it might be, security, you name it. But ultimately, those are just band-aids to what we really need. Our nation needs God. You know, this is nothing new, but it's on the rise. In 2021, the U.S. murder rate is the highest it's been in 25 years. Murder rate up 44% since 2019. And it doesn't even include suicide, which you guys know there are more suicides than there are murders. It doesn't include uh, euthanasia. It doesn't include abortion, which takes the life of a child every 37 seconds, every single day. Over 2,360 children are killed in the womb of their mother because it is the culture of death. This is why we are where we are. We have visions of violence everywhere, streaming from our phones into our minds, televisions into our homes, and then in our hearts. America pays good money to go see people get killed. In the movies, it's a game to us now. You know, games like Mortal Kombat. Did you know there's a video game called Super Columbine Massacre? How can that even be legal? There's another one that's called Thrill to Kill. Now, you might be here and you're like, oh, man, you don't tell me you're against, you know, video games and studies say that, you know, they don't influence a, a, a young person and I know what, I don't know enough about that. That's not my specialty. But I will say this, and I'm going to tell you guys something that I hope I don't get in trouble telling you. But, but the other day, because you guys know, I'm a chaplain for the Almani Police Department. And so we were in our meeting, and, and he showed me, they showed me, the police showed me a video, the video. And maybe some of you saw it. I don't know if it's out there or not the video of this man who went into the supermarket and, and he was killing people. You guys remember this? And it was exactly, it was exactly like the video game. Exactly. Because he had, I guess, a camera on himself and he just went in there and got out of his car. There's a lady right there. Boom, she's down. Boom, he's down. He goes in, boom, boom, just like the video games. 
It's a culture of death that sometimes even we as Christians have embraced. You know, John 10.10, if you turn over just a, a page or two, John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to what? Kill and to destroy. And that's what the devil does. Steal you from God, kill you. He wants you to take your life. Sometimes by suicide, he'll do it through murder. He wants to destroy. Number one, why does this happen? It's the culture of death that's under the sway of the wicked one, under the sway of Satan. And number two, it's because we've turned our backs on God. Watch, if you go over to 1 Kings chapter 9. First Kings uh, chapter 9. In this section here, God actually appears to Solomon the second time. And he basically promises him. He says, hey, you know, you're the king of my people here, Israel. And if you do well, if you follow me, then I will bless you. But, but if not, listen to the consequences here. In First uh, Kings chapter 9, in, in verse 6. He says, but if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them and this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, Everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, "This is listen, listen to what he says. Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought them, their fathers, out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worship them and serve them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. Now, whatever you do, please don't misunderstand me. Um, I'm not singling out a, a family. I'm not singling out any one of these children. But what I am saying is that you, the United States of America was established by Jesus Christ. And if you go to the movies today, you will hear his name said over and over and over again in ways that it ought not be said. He, like Israel, we're not identical to Israel, but there is a similarity between our nation and this nation one nation under God, Judeo-Christian values. You go to Washington, D.C., and you see scriptures everywhere. It was God who established. He brought us not out of Egypt, perhaps you could say out of England, we'll say, and he planted and established this nation. 
But we have taken prayer out of schools. We have taken the Bible out of schools. We have taken the Ten Commandments out of public life. And so someone passes by and they look at and You guys, it's just starting unless something changes. Someone passes by one day and they say, man, what happened to that, that nation? They're hissing right here. Why has the Lord allowed this? Not done it per se, but allowed this. And the answer is because they have forsaken God. And all of us here have to search our hearts because a God or idolatry is anything that you put before God. It could be sex. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be your job. It could be a person. I mean, is God really number one in your life? Because if not, then we're guilty of worshiping other gods. I mean, any love relationship that you would have, you know, you, you don't have, you're not supposed to be two-timers. You can't have a divided heart. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that we're going to talk about this as we go through it, but man, our nation, we're, we're getting ready to start the month of June, right? And you guys know what June is now? It's Gay Pride Month. And we have someone, you know, they're a representative of our president, you know, the press secretary, and, and they're there, and he's all proud of the fact that he, you know, has ordained the first, you know, black female, openly gay. She's, and then the message is, we will have the gay pride flag flying in every embassy all around the world. So, you know, when things like this happen and you got these beautiful children slaughtered and it touches the tenderest part of our heart and they immediately march for gun control and they immediately say, well, it's a, a message of mental illness and it's immediately about, well, what did the police do about it? I mean, you're, you're missing the point, buddy. The only way back, the only hope that we have is that our nation turn back to God. And the only way that's going to happen is if individuals do. Because in the church, there's no doubt about it, in the church, there are so many people who are half-hearted. There's so many people who barely, they don't even want to be here on a Sunday. They drag their feet. You can barely see them in church. They barely make it to serve. They barely pray. They have no desire to read their Bible. They haven't heard God's voice in who knows how long. And God is saying, listen, I love you. This is supposed to be much more than some superficial religion. This is a love relationship that I have with you. Don't follow the trend. Don't think, well, you know, here's the world and they're down here and I'm up here when you're supposed to be right here. God doesn't grade on a curve. And when I talk about this, and we're going to see it later, I'm talking to myself as well. And why has this happened? We've turned our, our backs on God. You know, you, you may say, well, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I believe God established our nation. And so there's a different standard of, of, of uh, behavior 
for us than there are to other nations. I don't know if you've ever done research on this, and you're going to probably have different opinions, and you're going to have people who, whatever, they, they're against what I'm about to say. But I, I did the best research I could. I, I did, like, with different browsers and different, you know, websites. And, you know, I, again, who knows? You know, maybe I'm wrong, but, but I, I did the best research I could, and I found that there is no other nation that's experiencing these types of shootings the way we are. The way we are. And, the, and when, you, when you do the data, you can't just tally up the, the, you know, the number of, of, of individuals. You have to tally up you know, so much more. You know, the United States of America has 5% of the world's population, 5%, but 31% of public mass shootings. Think about that. One third of the shootings are here. And yet we only have 5% of the population. In 21 weeks, that's the first 145 days of this year, there have been 213 mass shootings. It's been the same really for the last two years. In 2020, there were 611. In 2021, there were 693. And by the way, you might define what is a mass shooting? How is it defined? Well, depending on who you talk to, but more than likely it's right around four or three or four uh, victims by gun violence in each activity. But it's way up from 2019, which was a total of 417. And so there is something going on specifically in our nation. And and you might, and that's why you you have to ask why, because we turn our backs against God. Someone might ask this: well, Why the children? Why would God allow the children to suffer? And you know, again, I don't know. I don't know the answers. I know we live in a fallen world, and man has free will, and God doesn't intervene. And you know, I, if God did protect from every single time that there would be potential death, do you realize we'd all be dead? So, you know, he protects a trillion times. Sometimes he allows something to go through the cracks only because he's got something that he wants to do even in the difficulty. And so here we see why the children, and and here's what I was thinking as I was asking God about this, Maybe it's because they're the ones who are affected the most as we've turned away from God. Now, here we are. We want to protect our children physically, but there's a big question. Are we protecting our children spiritually? You know, when we neglect to take our children to church, we neglect to, you know, raise them in the ways of the Lord or teach them about God, to to, to be spiritual min- ministers to them or models to them of true Christianity. We're talking about the victims being the, the children in, in the violence, but what about in our spiritual walks? You know, they will suffer the consequences of adults who live half-hearted lives. You know, the Bible speaks of this frequently, how we are to pour God's word into the next generation, lest there arise a generation 
who does not know the Lord. So those of us here who are you know, horrified that such a thing can happen to our children, are you raising your children in the ways of the Lord? Because if not, it's much worse. I look at America today and we go street witnessing and we talk to the, the kids on the streets and the youth and the high schoolers. They don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know who the Holy is. They never even heard of the Holy Spirit. But those of you who have kids, you know what I'm talking about. They're our most precious commodity. Why is this happening? It's a culture of death under the sway of the wicked one, under the sway of Satan. We've turned our backs on God. There's a lot more that we could say about this, but we're limited in time. Uh, I want to close with a couple of things as far as what we're to do. What do we do? And, and John 10.10, 10, it, it touches on something that you know, we have to basically just reverse. If Satan is leading us in this culture uh, of death, then we need to spearhead what we would maybe call the culture of life, right? What are we to do? Well, we're to cultivate life. John 10.10 says, The thief has not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And so understand, you know, you some of you guys, maybe you saw the, the Avengers, and you have Thanos, and he's the guy that wants to kill, you know, half of all existence. Well, that comes from the Greek word thanatos. It's death. Even the movies, even they know what's going on. It's the culture of death. So what do we do? The opposite. Life. Life. John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. See, that's, where, that's how we can begin. Revival for the nation begins with revival for me. Revival in my kids begins with revival in me. Revival in the church begins with revival in me. You. We've got to have this life. It's life. It starts, number one, you got to get saved. You have no chance against the devil unless you have Jesus Christ. He loves you. He died for you on a cross. He rose again. Do you believe in him? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I'm not talking about you just believing in your brain. The demons believe. And they tremble. I'm talking about believing in your heart. If not, that's where it starts. That they may have life, but it doesn't end there. It says that they may have it more abundantly. And that's where a lot of us, I think, fall short. We have to live under the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to live with that abundant life that Jesus promises to us. You know, the Holy Spirit, he takes over. You know, where you're sensitive to the Lord. You know, do you have this relationship with him? And it's so cool. You know, I could tell you guys a lot of different things about in my life, how it's been a personal relationship with God. 
And I'm not saying I'm perfect because I fail a lot, but man, the Lord gets me, he convicts me, he teaches me, he lists, you know, I'm listening to him. You know, um, I don't know, I don't want to tell you guys all my sins because you might throw it in my face, but I can tell you, like, I can, I can tell you specifically consequences that I've suffered because God put his finger on that sin or that sin or that failure or that time when I got mad or that time when I threw the things down or that time where I hit the wall, whatever it might be. God has his way of dealing with us individually. I, I can also tell you times where it's kind of cool how the Lord showed me. He's, he's with me. I'll tell you guys something funny. Um, I remember one time I was having a hard time. This is a, a way, ba- way back with my finances. And I remember I was struggling with my finances. I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or it just seems like it's all messed up. And here I am trying to balance everything. And just did I pay my bills? And can I pay my bills? Or what's going on with my money? And then I remember just going through it. And then, um, you know, looking after I had done my best to balance everything and I saw my balance. And sometimes you, it's only something that you and the Lord can know. You know what my balance was? This is a while back. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Now, I, you may think that's nothing. You're like, what you, what's a big deal? But you have to understand where I was at at the moment. You have to understand this deep conversation I was having with God, the struggle with God. And he was just telling me, he said, listen, I got you to the penny, to the penny. One, two, three, four, five, six. He said, let's go to Vegas. No, I'm joking. He didn't say that. <laughs> but he just, you know, I got you to the penny. I, the other day, I'll tell you guys this. Remember my vacation? One of the things I, I wanted to do was to get a, a desk, an L desk in our office. Because, you know, for a while now, we've had two desks. And they're all, they don't work. It's not like canal desk and one's broken. The drawers are falling off. The other one, this is funny. If I were to show you guys, you would laugh. And so, you know, I was just thinking, but they're too expensive. But you know what? We'll, we'll go. And we were going to go to Ikea. But then um, I said, you know what? I'm going to check out what they have at Office Depot. Now, the Office Depot by my house is really, really, really small. And so I was talking to my wife about this. I said, chances are they're not going to have an L desk that that you know in this little teeny tiny office depot and and anyways when we got there it was a trip because there was a, a, this L desk and it was exactly what we would have wanted and it was marked down uh, the floor model i mean it was normally $900 but it was marked down to $300 and uh and I told the lady, hey, can we get this? She's all, yeah, if you can take it apart. I'm all, absolutely, I got a hammer. I could take this thing apart right now, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, you might, you might look at something like that, and you might think, what's the big deal? I mean, that's just a coincidence or whatever. But you know what? When you have a relationship with God, you know, you know that this God of the universe is personal. And I'm telling you guys this, man, I'm telling you this. That's the way it is every single day of your life. See, what do we do? Oh, man, number one, you, you just counter this culture of death 
by, by living a, a life, cultivating life, this abundant life, fight for life. I love the fact that we're involved in the fight for life. But then the last thing as far as what we are to do is to turn back to God. And for that, I was wondering if you could turn to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. We read in verse 12 of Joel 2, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart, and not your garments. You know, one of the things, you know, going on vacation to me is like just a time of really searching my heart. The Lord, you know, even though I'm a pastor, you always have to search your heart because anybody can, it can become a machine to anybody. Am I real? Am I real? Are you real? Rend your heart, not your garments. It can't just be superficial. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. You know, I'm going to challenge you guys basically to really get with God and ask him, what are the divine details in my life? How, God, do you want me to draw near to you? Because the Bible says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The Bible says to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can't just stay still. We've got to grow forward. We've got to get closer. We've got to draw near. Right here it says a grain offering and a drink offering. Now, the grain offering was you going to your field and getting the the crops and maybe grinding it down and then baking it and making a little pancake type of thing and then giving it to the priest. That was what a grain offering was. And so a grain offering, it symbolizes service. And, and so, and I know not all of you can serve the Lord like in a you know a, a committed way as far as the church goes, because maybe you have other responsibilities in other places. But but whatever you do, don't become a pew potato. Don't be lazy. Grain offering is serving God, serving God. How are you serving God? What gifts are you giving back to God? What are your talents that you are giving to God? You know, yesterday we got a text message from a. A young adult lady. And she was just saying, you know what? I want to get involved. I want to serve. I've been sitting on the sidelines for too long. I've allowed the enemy to come in and, you know, I'm done. I want to serve. We're talking about steps of faith like that. And I will share with you guys that I like sports. I just can't get it out of me. I don't know if... I just like it. Maybe I I played basketball, football, baseball growing up. 
You know, and you'll even watch, not not that I watch a lot, but I'll see maybe the playoffs or I'll see the end of a game of a basketball game right now. We've got the playoffs going on, stuff like that, right? And sometimes you have a good team that loses and then they'll sit down and they'll say, well, why did you, what happened to you guys? And the coach will say, there wasn't an effort. There just really wasn't an effort. We were playing without inspiration. Well, it's one thing when that happens in basketball. Well, it's another thing when it happens in church to God. There's no effort. There's no discipline. I tell you what, God has consumed me with this. I I try to learn as much as I can and reading the Bible and watching other pastors and talking to different guys. And even, you know, Kobe Bryant, he's got the Mamba mentality. And I'm reading the book. I'm like, man, this guy was so disciplined. Waking up every single morning, 5 a.m., working out, then working out again. Family man, things like that. Again, I don't know everything about him, but I do know he had that discipline for sports. Paul the Apostle liked sports too. And he said, you know what? These guys, they do it for a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Right here, there's a grain offering. There's a drink offering. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? You know, he's saying, Joel is saying, return to God. Return to him. Fast, serve, pray, assemble, fellowship. Who knows? Maybe God will have mercy on the United States of America. We can't give up. You know, Second Chronicles 20, verse 12, it says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And that's how I want to end today. You know, there you have a, a situation where Jehoshaphat was surrounded in, in one sense, it was a national situation. In one sense, it was an impossible situation. In one sense, it was a potentially fatal situation. And so there's Jehoshaphat, and I love what he, what he says. He said, Lord, we have no power. You know, I can't, you know, stop that guy on the other side of the country from getting his, you know, semi-automatic rifle and going in there and killing all those kids. We, 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 we can't, we can't really help we can't do anything but but god i know you can and so lord my eyes are on you i don't know what to do your life is not my life all of us here have a personal relationship with god you need to hear from god i don't know what to do but my eyes are on you and as your eyes are on god and your ears are open, your heart is open, guess what? God is going to tell you what to do to return, what to do to experience 
his power, what to do to draw near, how you can draw closer to him. He will tell you. Reading that word, praying, fellowshipping, serving, you name it, God will show you the details. It's not about gun control. It's too late for that. It really is, to be honest. And what if I were to tell you today that we as a nation should cease from our nuclear weapons? What if I were to tell you today we should throw them all away? You would say, well, we can't do that. Why not? Because other countries have them, right? Same thing with guns, right? You tell the, the, the world, oh, don't have guns, you know, because, you know, they're, they're, they're bad. Are the bad guys going to obey the laws of the land? No. All you do is you take out from the good guys their ability to defend themselves, I mean, there is a conversation regarding background checks and things like that. But even in that, we need to be so careful. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Jesus did allow us to defend ourselves. In Luke twenty-two thirty-six, he said to them, but now he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Think about that. Jesus said, buy a sword. What for? To put on the wall? <laughs> to defend my family. So it's not about that. It's not about gun control. You know what it's about? It's about God's complete control over our lives. Listen, you are not your own. So we need to stop doing whatever we want to do. We are not our own. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. He's our general. He's our marching He's the one who gives us the marching orders. He's our owner. So, so the way that we live life is not just go out and say, well, how am I going to have a good time? The way that we live life is we find out what our general wants us to do each and every day, and we go out and do it. We have to turn back to God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, God says, and I will heal their land. You know what the Bible says in Psalm thirty-three, twelve: Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. That should be us. Because I do believe that God started, God founded our nation. You know, one of the things that you'll find as you're doing uh, a little bit of investigation on what happened in Texas is that parents were really concerned, and I think for you know good reason, that it took so long for the police officers to go in. <sighs> and I don't know the details. I don't know why. I mean, but you had some parents, rumors said that they, they wanted to climb into the window they're videotaping. Why are you taking so long to go in? You know, and um, and I wonder sometimes in the church. Tomorrow, people say, "Tomorrow I'll get right with God. I'll do it later." And I just wonder why the delay. What if we got right with God right now? We said, "No more delay." Maybe, just maybe, that might save lives. 
I pray you would. I pray I would.